the title is, This is Really Hard. Now, every one of us have been in a situation where we said, wow, this is harder than I thought, or this is really tough, or I hate this. I didn't know it was going to be this hard. Uh, whether it's a family situation, whether it's a health situation, a job situation, a situation in your school or your training that you have to have and you don't think you're going to get through it in order to get to your desired goal, or if it's physical work or training or a relational struggle, whatever, you've been through those. You may be going through the hardest one of your life right now. I don't know. But when we have those kinds of struggles with often with other people, or situations, what we do kind of in the church community is we'll say something like, well, Jesus will get you through this. But what do you do when He is the one who's your problem? In other words, somebody says to me, well, Jesus will get you through this. And my response is, no, He's the one who created this situation. He's the one who put me there. So what do you do in that situation? And that's what I want us to focus on for this entire sermon today is, what about when God is the one who says the hard things to you? What about when God is the one who puts you in the tough situation? When you don't want to hear what God has to say at all because it's it, it just against everything you wanted to do. Uh, in that situation, what do you do? See, we've been taught that God is love. And that's true. We've been taught that God will comfort us in our troubles. And that is true. Now, some of you may be like me. Somewhere between the lines, I'm not convinced that the people I went to church with as a kid um, really taught this. But somehow in their insinuation, I got the idea that if I would just give my life to Jesus Christ, that I would accept Him as Lord and Savior, that life would just get easy. And so... Right after I graduated from high school, when I gave my life to Christ, in the back of my mind, there was this thought that, okay, now that's settled, life's going to be easy. I didn't realize that that was, uh, that was not true. That some of the toughest things I've ever faced have been since then, but I'll tell you more about why of that as we go through the message today. So stick with me through the whole thing. But we, in fact, all, those of us who've given our life to Jesus Christ, you discover that it's, it's challenging. It's not for wimps. It's not for people who want to take the easy way out. God is not about just giving us the easy way, but what He is about is giving us the strength, the power, the willpower, all we need to obey Him and walk with Him. Now today, if you will, please turn to... The Gospel of John, chapter 6, it's in the New Testament. If you have a hard copy Bible, uh, if, you, if you're doing a, a search on your devices, uh, or if you're on version, it'll pop up for you. But John, chapter 6, beginning in verse 60, I'm going to come to that in just a couple of minutes. So you be preparing for that. But let me give you some background so we know what's, so we're in the stream of what's happening when we get to that point. So Jesus in the chapters before this, there's a narrative that tells all the things Jesus has been challenging his followers with. And he was saying some hard things. First, he told them that he was equal with God. For the Jewish mind, that just blew them away. And then he said, if, if you don't honor me, you're not honoring the Father. 
again claiming that he was equal with God. He was God's son. Then he said the way to eternal life, to have a right relationship with God, salvation, whatever term you choose, the way to that is, is to believe or to have faith in him, in Jesus. And then he said there was going to be a day when the dead would hear his voice and rise from the dead. Now, the Jewish people believed in resurrection. But the hard thing about it was, Jesus was saying, they'll hear my voice and they'll rise from the dead. Again, he was saying he was God. And then he fed 5,000 plus people with five loaves of bread and two little fish, e even if they weren't little fish, okay? They couldn't have been huge if a kid was carrying them in his lunch, okay? But even if they were monster fish, you try feeding 5,000 people with it, okay? So he fed 5,000. And then Pastor Tom talked, uh, uh, spoke to us last week about this other one. He walked on water. So he's, he's just out there. He's challenging them. Everything they've ever believed about God. And then the one just before the, where we're going to start reading, he said to them, I am the bread of life. I am the bread of God come down from heaven. I am your nourishment. I, if, if you come to me, if you eat of my flesh, you'll never be hungry. That blew them away. In fact, it's still messing with people today. Because they're debating, theologians continue to debate about, are we, are we eating his flesh? Does that really turn into his flesh? Or does it not turn into his flesh when we eat that? Is there something magical? We bake it as bread in the oven, and then when we pick it up and somebody blesses it, it magically turns into his flesh, and voila, we have salvation when we eat it. So they're still debating this one. Will it really mess these people up? And so here's, here's what happened, okay? Begin reading in verse 60 and follow along with me, please. When many of his disciples heard it, now remember the word disciples speaks of all those who are followers, learners of Jesus. And then often we'll say the 12 or the apostles when he's speaking of those 12 who were the closest to him. See, often we call those his disciples. They were his disciples. But he'll differentiate here between disciples, casual followers, uh, and, and the twelve who were the closest. When many of his disciples heard it, this bread of life thing, they said, this is a hard saying. Who can listen to it? But Jesus, knowing in himself that his disciples were grumbling about this, said to them, do you take offense at this? Then what if you were to see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? That is, back to heaven. It is a spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. And now it sounds like Jesus is just rambling here. But we're going to unpack it. So stay with me, okay? The, it is the spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. The words that I've spoken to you are spirit and life. But there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning who those were who did not believe and who it was who would betray him. And he said... This is why I told you that no one can come to me unless it is granted him by the Father. After this, after Jesus poured on some more hard sayings, after this, many of his disciples turned back, made the decision to stop following, and no longer walked with him. So Jesus said to the twelve, Do you want to go away as well? 
Simon Peter answered him. Now, we pick on Simon Peter because he's kind of the guy who will speak up and stick his foot in his mouth. This time, he got it exactly right. He answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? There's no one else. You have the words of eternal life, and we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. Now, back on August 4th, in Life's Journaling, I was reading through John chapter 6. And that morning, God began teaching me some of the things that I just want to share with you today for this weekend for us to learn. I want three main things that God said to me out of this as I not only read it that day but studied it for several days because God began to speak to me that He was saying some hard things to me. And I was kind of acting like these disciples, kind of grumbling about it uh, to myself, but nevertheless grumbling about the hard things God was saying to me, and He began to deal with me about that. So the first thing I learned from this passage, and I want all of us to grasp this weekend, is that I must, you must realize there are things about God that are hard to understand. They're just hard, and we're not as smart as God. Just write it down. You're not as smart as God. I'm not as smart as God, not as wise. For instance, God is holy. I don't completely understand what holy means. I know that apart from his, him, him coming in to live in me, that I'm not holy. But when he comes to live in me, he gives me his holiness. Another thing that's hard, he's in charge. He's God and I'm not. Now, I don't know about you, but there are a lot of days that I don't like that. I want to be in charge. And I'm wrestling with God. And guess what? He never gives in. He never gives up. He's God. It would go against his character if he gave in to some puny little human like me and said, okay now, Dwayne, uh, uh, you can be in charge today. Wouldn't work. Another thing that's hard for, for a lot of people, he alone determines what it takes to gain salvation, what it takes to have a relationship with God. Jesus said it this way, I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. People will say, well, I know the Bible says that, but I think. How crazy is that? The God of the universe makes a statement, and I have the impudence and the arrogance to say, well, God, I know you said that, but I think. So it doesn't matter. But that's a hard thing for us. He says to me, you have to have faith like a little child to believe in me. Well, all my life, I'm 61, all my life, people have said, grow up. They still say that to me sometimes. My wife does. <laughs> they say, grow up, act like an adult, do this. And Jesus says, you've got to be childlike in your faith. Quit trying to, to run everything. Trust me. So there's some hard things about God. And that's just a few of them. But I'll never completely understand him. And I need to be okay with that. I need to be okay with that without grumbling, without whining, without complaining, without going off in the corner and pouting. So... In fact, these casual followers, those disciples, they were grumbling. And Jesus didn't say, oh, I'm sorry. How can I help make this easier for you? Guess what he did? He piled on some more hard stuff. He, he said, if you have trouble with that, what are you going to do when you see me transported back to heaven? I mean, 
we would say magically. But he knew that he was going to, to ascend from earth to heaven in the sight of some of those followers. And so instead of saying, well, how can I make it a little easier for you? He said, if you're having trouble with that, you're really going to have trouble when you see me just fly back to heaven. So he didn't ease off. He added more. We need to know that we will not always understand everything about God because he's so much higher than we are. And we need to be good with that. The second thing I learned and we, I want us to learn from this passage is this. I have to believe in the hard times when the things, hard things God says to me, I have to believe that God is always for me. You see, we can respond emotionally when God says these hard things and I act on my feelings at that moment, then what, what I will do is I'll think he's trying to hurt me. I'll think he's angry with me. I'll think sometimes that he's trying to punish me and nothing could be further from the truth. Let me say that clearly, strongly again. Nothing could be further from the truth because God is always for me. Let me show you, even, even in what he said to these followers or pseudo followers, uh, he said in verse 63, he said, it is the spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. The words I've spoken to you are spirit and life. Well, I first read that and I thought, okay, what does that have to do with? Well, it has everything to do. Here's what he's saying, if I could kind of unpack it and translate it. I think, I believe he's saying, I've just told you something that's a spiritual truth. I'm the bread of life. I am your food spiritually. I'm everything you ever need. And you are trying to understand it based on your human understanding. That's what Jesus is talking about when he says flesh. Jesus said that never works. The flesh is no help at all. He said what I told you will change everything. The words I've spoken are spirit. That is spiritual truth. He said the words I've spoken to you are life. That is life changing, life giving. We don't have the ability within ourselves to give ourselves spiritual life. And he said, I'm telling you something that will give you spiritual life. You know what? When I look back at some of the hardest things God has ever said to me, for over 40 years, I gave my life to Jesus Christ, fresh out of high school, 1972. That's more years than some of you have been alive. But I'm telling you, you can trust him. I realize he was never, even in those hardest times, never, ever, ever trying to hurt me. Here's what he was doing. Listen closely. He was trying to get Dwayne out of me and get his Holy Spirit control into me so that I could be more like him, so that I could bring him glory. Oh, and so that I could be more fulfilled and blessed than I was selfishly, pig-headedly going my own way and ignoring him. Every time that's been the case for over 40 years. The words he was speaking to me, I thought they were so hard. And I found out, just like he told these people, they were spirit and they were life to me. Romans 8, the Apostle Paul got this concept. He says, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, and he is, then who 
can be against us? And the answer to that is, he, it's so obvious he doesn't have to say it. The answer to that is, nobody is capable of going against God. Verse 32, he who did not spare his own son, that's God the Father, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him, with Jesus, graciously give us everything we could ever possibly need to walk with him? I just expanded. How would he give us all things? That's what it means. Everything we need to bring him glory and to be fulfilled in this life. The third thing we learn from this passage, and this is a big one for me. I suspect it's a big one for every person seated here in worship today. I need to choose in advance. If you're handwriting this onto sermon notes, put that in all uppercase letters. In advance. If you're taking notes on version after you email it to yourself, make those a larger font, make them bold. We do not often make choices like this in advance. I need to choose in advance how I will respond to God's hard sayings. You see, if I wait until I'm in the situation, I mentioned it a while ago, there's a strong possibility I'll react based on emotion. And I dare say that might be your MO as well. If I wait until then to make my decision and I don't make it in advance, and I just let it sneak up on me, I'm going to react based on emotion instead of responding based on truth. You see the difference? Reacting based on emotion, responding based on God's truth. Let me give you some examples from my own life. I won't pick on you at all because God was saying all of this to me. I just want to share it with you to see what God will teach you and help you learn and grow from, okay? God said years ago, after I came to know him as my Lord and Savior, just before I was going to college, he said to me, I want you to spend time in my word every day. Hard saying for me at that time. I was a young believer. My answer was, you must be joking. I don't have time for that. Uh, I'll do it periodically, and I'll certainly go to church part of the time. Um, But I said, I don't have time. Guess what his answer was? Spend time in my word. It was like just over and over and over. He said the same thing. No matter what I answered, he said the same thing. And it was a hard saying for me, but God was trying to bless me in that. God said to me, be faithful in worshiping every week with other believers in a church somewhere. I said, I'm busy. He said, but you're one of the pastors. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> That's what he would say today if I said that, okay? You, we have to pretend that I'm not one of the pastors on some of these. Some of these were years ago, okay? But not all of them were years ago. I said, I'm busy. You know what God said? I don't care. You're too busy. You need to make this a priority. Now, God wasn't impudent or smart, but he just never quit, never gave up. God says this, serve in the church. Early on, my answer was, well, I don't, I don't have the skills, and I really don't have the time. I'm working almost full-time, paying my own way through college, and I have full-time load at, at, at college, and all of that kind of stuff. Um, and he kept saying it, kept saying it, because he knew that I needed to serve in order to be fulfilled. 
But those were hard things when God was saying those to me. My junior year of college, I remember this. God said, I gave you all the money you have. Trust me and give generously to my kingdom. Now, here's my answer. God, I'm not on a scholarship. Well, actually, I was on a full ride. A full ride out of Dwayne Arledge's bank account. Everything was being paid out of my bank account. I didn't have scholarships. My parents were not paying one penny for me to go to college or any of my support, car, insurance, fuel, any of that stuff. Uh, it was on me if I was going to go to college. Okay? Yeah, and I'll tell you later about, you know, walking uphill both ways to school, barefoot in the snow and all that. Okay? But my answer was, you must be joking. I'm afraid I'm going to have to borrow some money to get through this school year, and you're telling me to give away some of what I have. And God kept saying it for weeks. And I gave in. So while we're at this point, let me, let me finish that story quickly. So I started doing that. And God gave me a gracious heart to enjoy giving to His kingdom. And guess what? I ended that, that junior year of college. Oh, by the way, Summer, who's my wife now for 44 years, um, uh, Summer and I were getting married that summer of 1975. I ended that school year with more money in the bank than I'd ever, ever had, period. God gave me commission jobs that paid five, six times what I was making at my regular job over the breaks. Uh, I, I can't explain all of the things that happened, but I ended with school and everything paid for and more money than I'd ever had in, to my name. Now, I'm not promising you if you'll start giving that God will just fill up your bank account. I just know this. God asked me to trust Him, and I've wrestled with Him and told Him, that's too hard, that's too hard. And when I did it, I found out God was trying to bless me. So, since we know that God really is for us, I want to challenge all of us to make the decision now in advance that we can trust Him completely. There are four illustrations, okay? I mean, four questions that we ask when we're choosing in advance. What am I going to do when God says the hard thing? And let's look at what these people did and, and examine if, if we want to do any of those things. First, will I grumble? The, the answer probably is, Yes, part of the time at least, we're going to grumble. But if we make a decision in advance, then the, as we start grumbling, the Holy Spirit will say, Ah, I thought you weren't going to do that. And He'll help shortcut our obedience and get us on a right path. Verse 61, look at this. But Jesus, knowing in Himself that His disciples were grumbling about this, said to them, Do you take offense at this? Now here's what they were really saying. Let me just unpack what I believe they were saying. They were saying, wow, this is really offensive. Doesn't Jesus know that people will stop listening to him if he keeps teaching this kind of stuff? In fact, I'm kind of getting offended at this. Um, I'm not sure I can keep following. That's my translation of what they said, okay? Here's my take on it. Let's choose in advance to not be grumblers. Because, the next question... Will I turn to other people? See, the same verse. Jesus, it said, but Jesus, 
knowing in himself that his disciples were grumbling, his disciples were grumbling about this. Okay, here's the picture. They weren't grumbling to Jesus. Did you get that? It said Jesus knew in himself. They weren't sharp enough to remember that he wasn't just human. He was also God. And so they're off grumbling to each other. But Jesus knew what they were saying, just like he knows what we're saying when we're off grumbling somewhere hoping God doesn't hear it. He knew in himself. So that's the way it is usually. You stop and think. I dare you to disprove this. Most often, grumblers will grumble to other grumblers. Right? Don't you hate it when someone comes to you and they're grumbling? You know what I hate most about it now that God's shown me this? I'm probably another grumbler or they wouldn't be grumbling to me. Or in the middle of grumbling, you realize, I'm grumbling to another grumbler. They can't do anything about this. They're not part of the solution. They're part of the problem just like I am. They were grumbling to other grumblers. Now, there is a time where we need other people. Do not misunderstand that. But we don't need other grumblers. In Proverbs chapter 15, there's an excellent example where it says, without counsel, plans will fail. But with many advisors, they succeed. But let me tell you very clearly and strongly, every time the Bible teaches us to seek counsel, to seek advice, it always means from godly people who will give truth kind of counsel that will line up with God's Word. Other grumblers aren't ever going to do that for us. And when we're the grumbler, we're not in a state of mind to turn to God's Word. So, when we turn to others, we need to be sure we're not turning to other grumblers, but we're turning to people who are giving godly counsel. Okay? Third question in, in making a decision in advance. Will I quit? Verse 66 says, After this, many of His disciples turned back and no longer walked with Him. They said, I quit. The, the, the meaning of the words here is strong enough that it was a final decisive action that they said I'm done with this Jesus guy so here's the real truth of it okay Jesus was talking to people who were casually considering following him he wasn't talking to committed disciples who had truly believed in him for salvation so here's the truth of scripture if you have committed your life to Jesus Christ you've been born again he has forgiven you. He adopted you as his child. And even when you mess up royally, you are still his child. You still have eternal life. So this passage is speaking about those who have not yet believed in Jesus Christ. And they can say, this is too hard. I won't accept this. I'm going to quit. Quitting is not really an option. For those of us who accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Someone who hasn't yet believed in Jesus Christ could make that decision. But we've already made a decision that trumps that decision. Last question in making our decision in advance. Will I realize that I must always turn to Jesus? You see, the casual disciples asked the wrong question. They said, well, this is a hard saying. Who can listen to that? Wrong question. So in verse 66, let's pick up the reading and find out what the right question is, okay? 
After this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. So Jesus said to the twelve, those closest to him, Do you want to go away as well? He was saying something hard to them. He was testing them, checking out if they'd made the decision in advance. And Simon Peter gave the right answer. Lord, to whom shall we go? There is no one else. You have the words of eternal life, and we have believed and have come to know that you're the Holy One of God. Here's what Simon Peter was saying. He made the decision in advance that he was going to trust Jesus, even when he had trouble accepting what God was going to say. And that's what we need to do. When we don't understand, we turn to Jesus. We don't turn away. When we don't agree, we turn to Jesus. When we're uh, angry with him, when we're frustrated, when we're irritated with him, because he said something hard to us, we turn to him instead of turning away. And when we can't figure out what he's trying to do in our lives, we turn to him. It's the right thing to do because you can always trust him. Even when he's saying some really hard things. And let me tell you this. Most of the really hard things he's going to say to you are going to come directly out of his word. Because the world around us is telling us one thing and the Holy Spirit of God will speak to us out of the Bible. Something that is against the grain of our society. And we live in the world often so much that as soon as God speaks to us, it will upset us. And we'll go, man, this is hard. And we turn to Him, and He gives us the strength, the power, the ability to do the hard thing He's saying. That's the secret. It's not in our strength. It's His strength.